Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Weston Williams. All right, we're live on WNUR-FM, Evanston, Chicago, 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. You can call us on air, get your opera voice heard tonight, give us your opinion on what we're talking about, 847 847- 866-9687. You can also tweet us at Opera Box Score. All right, tonight, the world's most famous countertenor, David Daniels, and his husband, conductor Scott Walters, have been accused of drugging and violently raping another opera singer in a chalk talk doubleheader. We take a look at the evidence for the accusation, recent developments in the story as well as the ways in which other voices in the opera world have responded to these allegations. And a quick word of warning about our first segment tonight. We don't use profanity on this show. That said, some listeners may find the details of our conversation tonight to be graphic. And then plus, about 9.40 p.m. or so, two-minute drill, you get everything you need to know from the past week in opera land and our team's hot takes on those stories. It's going to be quite a show tonight, I think, Oliver. Yeah, I mean, folks, um, this is going to be very difficult. We're even having disagreements here in the studio. But this would be the perfect episode for you to express your opinion. So what is that number again, George? 847-866-9687. So obviously, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, we cannot go back in time and take your phone call. But if you're listening live tonight on Monday night, uh, give us a call if you have uh, something to say about this topic. Uh, And... It's the first day of the U.S. Open, uh, the last Grand Slam of the season, and uh, I watched a little bit of Venus Williams' play. She got into a third set with Svetlana Kuznetsova, throwback to like 2004 or something like that. Yeah. Was and, she wearing uh, the, the cat suit? Was that something else? So I don't know what the result was of that a match, the Venus Williams and Svetlana, but as we are recording, Serena Williams is on court, so don't call and tell me what's happened <laughs> on that match. I will be so mad at you. I have it taped on my VHS machine when I get home. I'm going to rewind it. But do call, but <laughs> yes. not about that. Yes. <laughs> Tobias Wright, how are you? I'm doing really well. So you know I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, of course. George. Um, they had an embarrassing display in their third preseason game at the Chicago Bears. So the Chicago Bears played their second stringers right. and thoroughly manhandled the Chiefs' uh, first stringers. So that makes me worried for the season. Might be a long season. But you Hashtag know consent. Hashtag. <laughs> this okay. this from the man okay. who basically was saying that the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl last week. So, wow, that was a quick turnaround, Toby. Weston Williams, <laughs> what's your sport of the week? Um, uh, I uh, I almost went swimming the other day, which is like sports. <laughs> Fun fact about me, George, I actually did swim competitively for eleven years. Why You're so I, tall? Why I do I not? That. Yeah, I'm, I you look like Michael Phelps. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I have the same body, the weird short legs, and the. A freakishly long arms, you know, it's the perfect combination. I don't float. I'm one of those people that just, <laughs> right that just, just, I, just say, I just think, yeah. And like my, swimming, even, I could like picture you bobbing. Really my peacefully. swimming teacher said there are just two types of bodies, like, and you have that type of body, you know. I'm so, you have those I'm so air dense. Pockets yeah, and the gills. Exactly. Come on, like me, I yeah. got the gills. <laughs> Let's talk some opera. Chalk talk on opera box score. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box Score. Again, number in studio, 847-866-9687. This is going to be complicated. This is going to be a tough doubleheader tonight. And this story and the lead-up to this story and the complexities of this story are many. Toby, 
Can you set this up for us and, and talk us through the initial statement from baritone Samuel Schultz, sure. what he had on his website that started this whole thing some months ago? Um, yeah, so this was posted earlier in July, earlier this summer, on uh, SamuelSchultzBaritone.com. So you can actually go read the statement. It's SamuelSchultzBaritone.com forward slash statement. Um, I'm not going to read the, the, the statement in its entirety, but I'm going to just kind of highlight uh, some of the important parts and, and really what I think brought it to the attention of a lot of people. And <clears throat> I'm just going to start reading here, if that's okay. Uh, the very first sentence, I was raped. Pause and contemplate those three words. I certainly have, as I have been living with that reality since 2010, while I was pursuing my master's degree when a celebrated opera singer and his boyfriend raped me. Two paragraphs later, he says, why now? In discussing why he decided to share this. Why now? Because this is my story and I hate that this is my story. But now I have the strength to own my story and to take back the power it has had over me and to use the power of its truth, its sacredness, to bring an end to rape. I've been terrified to talk about this publicly because, as many know, people in positions of power or perceived positions of power have not been held accountable in the past. There is a legitimate danger of destroying my career by reporting someone else's assault against me. Because of this, I've lived with the fear of exclusion and being silenced, which has meant that my story has not been told. And I was not willing to risk a career in opera by exposing this truth. But I know that I am not alone. My love for life and art and music and people compel me to tell this truth. Um, a few paragraphs later, he says this. Education is paramount. Yes, men are raped. I did not know that the word rape applied to what happened to me until I lethargically went to tell a friend and told her through tears and emptiness what happened me. In fact, I was so naive that I didn't know that I should have gone to the hospital or even what a rape kit is. We must do better in educating each person about the realities and tragedy of rape. At the end of the day, I believe in hope and the power of kindness and love. Our voices, our stories, our choices, and our hope create a shared strength that is more powerful than the dehumanizing tactics of those for whom the truth is inconvenient and who wish for our silence. I hope this inspires others to come forward and say, hashtag me too. When when you read that for the first time, Toby, what what was your your gut reaction to that? My gut reaction um, is that it takes a tremendous amount of strength uh, and fortitude to put that down on paper, to write those things, to be clear and concise with allegations. I mean, he does not say rape once. He does not say it twice. He repeats it. Um, and to say that, um, every time he says it, he's reliving that hurt and he's reliving that moment. And he's then taking himself back into um, that despair that has led him to this loneliness and has made him fear for his career uh, should he come forth and share it. So when I read it initially, my gut reaction is that, um, especially in light of all of the Me Too um, allegations and... Um, what we've seen in our community when i see that i know that it doesn't it doesn't happen lightly and it didn't happen on a whim and that he's been dealing with this privately for a seeming well to that since for eight years um and so i don't take it lightly um and when i read it initially i, I mean that was my response is that wow the, you know that's a that's a lot to put on your website to come forward publicly and and state um and use the word rape um in sharing your story as many times as he did. Now, we should point out that this um, this statement on his website was put out in July um, uh, a couple months ago, and it did not name any names, um, although around the same time he did submit a, uh, a, a complaint, I guess is the right word, to um, the police department um, about... Um, about David uh, uh, Daniels and his husband. Um, the complaint was the police department at the University of Michigan, which is where right. Daniels uh, had been on the faculty since two, 2015. Mm -hmm. He has since, since the beginning of this semester, taken a leave of absence. Yes, and the, and so that was what the uh, where the story bro uh, really broke a couple days ago, um, because originally uh, the, this this. This statement kind of went under the radar, but then there was this New York Post article um, that broke the story. 
um, that released some of the details of the uh, of the actual incident. Uh, in addition to the rape, there is um, an allegation that uh, he was in fact drugged, um, which I think is actually a little unusual uh, in comparison with a lot of the Me Too stuff we've heard. Um, over the past <laughs> several months in the classical uh, music community as well as, you know, the rest of the world uh, because I, f I feel like there's always, often there's some sense of uh, self-justification on the part of the accusers, you know, where they say, oh, you know, if they, if, they, if they sexually assaulted someone, they're like, oh, well, they didn't say no out loud or, you know, or they, um, you know... Uh, or they claim that they come from a different time period and it was just okay then, you know, all these sorts of self-justification things. But in this case, the the drugging is just such a hard thing. To, and we're going to get to the I details on yeah. that in, in one second. I want to go over to Oliver mm -hmm. and, and get your, you know, your, your gut reaction on that initial post on Samuel Schultz's website. Well, I don't... I don't read Samuel Schultz's website of on a regular not. basis. And, um, I, I don't know if we knew who he was prior to this. Exactly. I certainly didn't. I definitely uh, heard about the story as soon as it broke on, on um, New York Post because it was shared so many times within my friend's circle. You mean the recent story? The, the, the August 22nd story, Okay, yes. Okay, so the second post that specifically named David Daniels. Yes, let's be clear that the New York... Uh, Daily News. Daily News. So the New York Post, right? Uh, I believe it's the Post. Yes. Yeah. It is the um, Post. So they, I, I, I don't know if that's the, the August 22nd or whenever it was, but it was, yeah, you know, August a couple yep. days ago. Yeah. Um, that's the story that I heard about uh, from Facebook. Uh, and then I started digging in and, um, yeah, I started to see all these people point to um, Anne Majette, um, who um, shared the article. Uh, and then soon after, um, the New York Post, um, the New York Times came out with their version of it and NPR. And we're going to get to the reaction from the classical music community to this story in yes. the second segment tonight. But you know, to answer your question, um, I was obviously shocked and a little bit um, in disbelief, but of course, we are in you know in this moment now where it's not really there's no more surprises you know like you never know who's going to be the next person to get swept up in this you know exactly these these are the the added details that we know now from the New York Post story is that and Oliver you were saying as you understand it uh, so Schultz went to the Post uh, the New York we don't Post, know that's not that's I, not true I, actually yeah. I think I was looking I think it is actually the Daily News I think New York, I, New York <laughs> Daily News okay okay. Um, and, and what that article says is that Schultz claims that in 2010, county attender David Daniels and his husband, conductor Scott Walters, drugged and raped him following a performance in Texas, leaving him unconscious. He claims that he awoke the next afternoon in a strange bed, disoriented, in pain and bleeding from the rectum. At the time, he was a 23-year-old graduate student at Rice, and he was frightened of repercussions and hid the alleged event for years, eight years. And then... Again, quoting from the article, emboldened by both the hashtag MeToo movement and upon learning that Daniels had made tenure at University of Michigan, he then filed the complaint with the police in July, and then Daniels took the, the leave of, of absence. I, hmm. The guts it would take to make all of this up, that would be astounding to me. Hmm. And, and it's not my job on the show tonight to say... Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Clearly, it's an ongoing investigation. I think there's a lot more to be discovered. Well, if there's, um, yeah, there's a lot more to be discovered, and I think what we've seen is the unfortunate trend in the Me Too movement in opera is that once one allegation happens toward a a figure, then more seem to follow rather quickly, mm -hmm. and the backlash has been swift um, against companies or com the company. Um, employing these people and their removals, their resignations have been quick as well. Um, and I guess 
I'm not, I, I don't know, we don't know if Samuel Schultz, what what made him go forward. We don't know how this story was picked up necessarily other than, it, you know, he publishes on his website, but it will be interesting to see moving forward if there are more allegations for David Daniels and his husband that, that in any way uh, echo this statement. Let us know what you're thinking. 847-866-9687. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR. Talking about the recent allegations of baritone Samuel Schultz against countertenor David Daniels. Again, just when you read the original post on Schultz's website and you read the follow-up article in the Daily News, to think that an individual would make that up, would go to those lengths to make that up, I, I, just, don't, I just don't see that. I, they, you would have so much to lose. Yeah, that's true. And, and uh, it, it is... A difficult thing, you know, because, you know, it has been eight years since the uh, incident uh, occurred. And there's there's often I think what we've what we've found, not just in the classical music world, but in just Me Too in general, you'll you'll see lots of these things coming up and there's lots of um, evidence to back it up in the form of, you know, uh, fellow people who witnessed events, who have had similar experiences and things like that. But in terms of physical evidence, the stuff that gets people, you know, in jail, as it were, it it kind of dries up. So you get into this strange sort of in-between place where people are, uh, where people will kind of just go with their gut feeling uh, and just saying who's right in this case or who's lying, who's telling the truth. Um, And there's... And it, it really makes every situation, I think, a lot more. Uh, it really polarizes the situation. It it, it opens the entire uh, the entire thing up for politi- politicization. Well, you know, and it's, what's interesting about this particular situation is the detail in which he shares uh, with the New York Daily News. Right. He said, I mean, he basically he shares what he wrote in the police report. Um, can I read this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he says. And wrote in his police complaint that he woke up the next afternoon, afternoon, quote, in a bed alone, completely naked. I was sore and I didn't know why. I made my way to the bathroom to figure out why I hurt. I was bleeding from my rectum. I became numb. I was paralyzed with fear. What had happened? How could I escape? How would I get out? Where were my clothes? I tiptoed out of the bath- bedroom to discover. I tiptoed out of the bedroom to discover that David and Scott were not there. When they came back from eating somewhere, I think they asked if I had had a good time. Dot dot dot. I remember David saying, don't worry about the BB thing. I'm totally negative. BB in this case meant bareback, otherwise known as raping me without a condom. I mean, that's an extreme amount of detail to share. It really is. I feel like a lot. And to also put that in, if that's what you wrote in a police report, I mean, that's a a legally binding statement, is it not? I don't know legalese. I have a master's degree in music. I (laughs) I do not have a juris doctorate like some of my smarter friends do. Yeah. Uh, here, here was a quote from uh, the Detroit News, which um, said that when Schultz was asked about David Daniels' leave from the University of Michigan about the possibility of further actions taken, he replied, quote, I have no interest in putting pressure on institutions to do anything. What I have an interest in is making sure that people know that their bodies and minds are valued. What is what does that mean to you, you guys? What I'm are you sorry, reading say, between say the it lines? Again? I, he says, he, uh, Samuel Schultz says, I have no interest in putting pressure on institutions to do anything. In other words, by calling up the University of Michigan and saying this thing happened, he's not trying. He, I don't think he was the one who said David Daniels needs to get off the faculty. I don't think he's calling up other opera houses where David Daniels is working or where he was. Originally, I have no interest in putting pressure on institutions to do anything. What I have an interest in, this is what Schultz is saying, is making sure that people know that their bodies and minds are valued. That was kind of an odd statement. To Why me. was that odd to you? Uh, it's just, I mean, I think that the, the, the problem is institutional in this case. I mean, obviously, the, when you experience something like this personally— it does. It becomes very personal. But the, the, I think the whole point of the Me Too movement movement is to bring these things to life on uh, to light rather on an institutional scale to keep them from happening 
institutionally. It's not just to keep people. I would actually, from, I would disagree. Yeah. I don't yeah, feel too. like this is an institutional uh, thing that he was trying to shed light on. This was a very personal and private issue. Whereas uh, we've seen instances um, of conductors or young art. You know, you look at Florida Grand and what had happened. That's an institutional problem that was perpetuated because nothing happened and people hadn't come forward. And so they're trying to change that culture. This is a very personal thing. And so, no, maybe he wasn't trying to put pressure on an institution to make a decision. Um, but because I don't think the University of Michigan had anything to do with this. And it doesn't feel like he's at all saying something should be done at Rice or at Houston Grand Opera. I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading that. Or is it University of Michigan or something like that? Uh, well, that's where University David Daniel's on faculty. And that's where okay. he's taken a leave of absence. Well, from. I, I think I think I think I agree. I, it, it, he, it is a personal thing to him and I can't really I, I can't really say anything not having experienced this I, I do want to put a little grain of salt in my statements here um, but I do think that the value of coming forward is not just getting one person to justice it's to shut down the culture that supports sexual sure. assault that that creates the conditions in which these kinds of things can happen. Um, I think the question of whether a person getting individual justice or not is important for that person, but the greater thing, I think, is to keep people who would make those same kinds of decisions and keep them from doing those things and, and, and stop it from happening again, which is... I mean, I, which is why I think it's weird to, for him to put in the statement. But at the same time, I I do have to give him – this was his experience. This is not an experience I have been through. This is yeah. something yeah. that so – Setting aside Samuel Schultz and setting aside David Daniels, this type of revelation about such an important artist in our community is like sending a warning shot, you know, that going forward – you're not getting away with anything. Like, True. you know, whoever's out there that's, you know, who is in a position of power, who can be intimidating, abusing, provoking, whatever, like, they are on warning right now. That was the same uh, thing, yeah. with, especially with the Levine um, incident. Yeah. <laughs> um, incidents. Inc yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> emphasis on the plural there, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's I think, a good thing, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm we're getting ahead of our skis over here. Like we haven't really even talked about the actual case. We were already talking about the reaction to it. So we're going to talk more about how the opera community is receiving this news and the, and the arts journalism uh, is re receiving this news. But no, I mean like I stand with victims. I stand with absolutely changing the status quo. I chant, I stand with like, as Michael Rice would say, you know, shedding light on all these things and like getting all the, you know, disinfecting our 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 profession and letting the new things take it take their place. Look, you know? when when it's this toxic in the culture, removing that toxicity toxicity is going to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's going to be messy and it's going to be nasty. Right? When you play with nasty chemicals, things mm -hmm. get nasty. And this this movement, this behavior, these these allegations, not just in this case, but in all the ones that we've been reading about all this year are all nasty. So how are singers in the opera community responding to this story? Well, it ain't pretty, that's for sure. It's coming up next on Opera Box Score, WNUR 89.3 FM. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. So, we call ourselves America's talk radio show about opera. Why? Because we are. With an ever-growing base of fans subscribing to the OBS podcast and a stadium full of listeners tuning into our live broadcast, we are in the ear holes of the opera audience you want to reach. Want to promote your opera-related service or event? Or propose to the bear-a-hunk in your life? Maybe you just want the sound of your name memorialized on air by our announcer, Norm Waddell. Anything's possible. Drop us a line at operaboxscore at gmail.com for rates and availability. Opera Class. Sports Radio Crass. 
This is Opera Box Score. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight, everybody, in Opera Land. WNUR 89.3 FM. George Cedarquist here with Oliver Camacho. Yeah, I think we need to get Norm Waddell to uh, give us a little bit more of a like a laid back kind of like mellow intro sometimes when we have these so serious topics. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, like I know. This yeah. has been oh, so, let me say, yeah. George, uh, this has already been such a hard one to, to, to talk about. Yeah. To opera box school. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, this is definitely one of the most difficult things to navigate because uh, what we're going to talk about now, which is um, the reaction in the singing community and David Daniels uh, makes appearances in Chicago very, very frequently. Mm-hmm. And he has many friends in Chicago. Um, Not just in Chicago, everywhere. Yes. And there are all these people who are coming out to defend his character, you know. Some people are coming out to refute these allegations. But there are many people that are trying to defend David Daniel's character as if he would never do this. What, What are people saying? Well, that, like, he's, you know, a very generous person. He's very kind. That he, you know... he. Maybe his uh, sexual proclivities don't align with the accusations as they stand, which is a very difficult thing to talk about on radio. Mm. But, you know, I am uh, a part of the gay community and I understand some of the sexual dynamics. Uh, And it may be shocking to hear that, you know, a couple that was married by Ruth Bader Ginsburg have an open relationship uh, and that, you know, David is a very, you know, sexual person. Um, that's none of my business, but that's what I, I mean, and I don't know that from personal well, these, experience, but, you know, this is like what I understand from people who know him, you know, mm. and it's just part and parcel of his personality. It's like the whole part of being an artist and maybe he has been indulged, you know, um, and maybe some stuff about him sending illicit unsolicited pictures to people. Maybe that stuff is true. I don't know. But all these things are being put out for the world to see, which is none of our business. Like if you go to Anne Majette's Facebook page, which is a public page, and you open up the common thread to her sharing of this (laughs) article. There's some nasty comments on it. It's 272 comments, mostly by one person. (laughs) I don't know what this guy is doing, just sitting around along commenting on this thing. Uh, but you know, there's some really, um, I think, shocking things for people who are not, who are maybe more conservative sexually or maybe just conservative culturally. You'll be shocked. And um, it's not shocking to certain members of the gay community who just know well, that this is, you know. As a n- not member of the gay community, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm like a four on the Kinsey scale, to yeah. be honest. But oh, like, there you go. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I took that quiz last. Giving week. yourself a pat on the back here. <laughs> no, I was a little. I was surprised. But as a member of the artistic community, mm-hmm. um, I can, you know, and I come from a conservative background. Mm-hmm. I myself am not. I'm not. But mm-hmm. I can remember being surprised at uh, the openness uh, of of sexuality of so many of my colleagues and of people that were also my superiors. Mm-hmm. Um, and furthermore, I infidelity is rampant in the business Mm -hmm. uh, when you're on the road. Um, And so not even infidelity, but open relationships. So many people are in open relationships where it's not shocking. So if you're in the business, if you know what's going on, this isn't shocking to hear, Oh, a married couple had a threesome with a young, a young singer. Mm -hmm. That's in and of itself, not shocking. So I'm supporting what you're saying. Yeah. And that like some of the comments that show up on social media are people who are just obviously, completely ignorant to what mm-hmm. really goes on. They weren't there. They weren't there. And there are people who, uh, on Anima Jet's Facebook comment thread for this article, say that they were there and refute some of these accusations. Say, say that they were there at the party. At the party. At, at the party, party. Production, yeah. Production of yeah. Xerxes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. closing night party of Xerxes, yeah. And there, are, it sounds like there are some people who are willing to like testify to the fact that I was there. <laughs> now... I, Obviously, it's a yeah. Facebook comment yeah. thread. It's not legally binding. It's, it's not a high court. <laughs> yeah. Again, we'll have to contact someone. But it is a high court because Susan Graham, right. beloved American mezzo-soprano, stuck her knuck out there, and she said, wrong, false. She's like giving her a little, like, wrong, you know? It was just like these like little short like two, three-word phrases. As if somebody possessed like Donald Trump got a hold of her Facebook account. <laughs> oh, and just no. started, like, yeah. But, it, but why would she do that? 
because she's David Daniels' friend, obviously. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also, I think she does. She doesn't believe these accusations. Well, I I, I think it's obvious that she doesn't believe them. No. Uh, I do think I, I do think it's a little tricky here because I don't think that Susan Graham was really speaking in an official capacity, even yeah. though it was on a public Facebook yeah. uh, thread that not just her friends could see. Um, no, they you sure about be... that? She she knew what she was doing, man. Well, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the comments, they're just like it just says not true, not true, not true, and she repeats it like five or six times, uh-huh. and sometimes it's just not even like really contextually. It doesn't even really contextually make sense with the original comment. Okay. It feels very much like someone who is frustrated, heard about these allegations, thinks someone is trying to tear down her friend, uh, whether that's true can or I read not. What, can I read what Matt said about Susan Graham here? Yeah, Matt Matt put it in really good words, and he couldn't be here tonight, but uh, please do. May I, can I share this? Yeah, go Am for I it. Am I allowed? Yeah, you bet. Um, just for all of our listeners, at this point, you certainly know that Matt is always the smartest person in the room, <laughs> Yep, and it's True. not even close, and I'm the dumbest. So I'm really excited that I get to read what Matt thought about Susan Graham. <laughs> um, I'm of two minds of Su- about Susan Graham. Should I try to read in a Matt voice? Oh, no. Please. Okay, great. Because um, I got a good one. I'm of two minds about Susan Graham. On the one hand, it represents not only the issue of loyalty, but also of how people in general tend to extrapolate their positive associations with friends and colleagues to the point that they are often unwilling to admit that both may be true. Um, I'm going to comment on that. And I, if you guys want to join in, I think that's absolutely true. And you know, it's really interesting. We talk about James Levine and like all the allegations there. There's a lot of people who are super loyal to him because of the work that he did. Uh-huh. And they're blinded by that. And because of the work that he did and the art that he created, which are undoubtedly of a genius quality, yeah. they're unwilling to say, but also he was capable of something deeply dark and horrendous. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's Opera Box score on WNUR 89.3 Drop the number FM. again. <laughs> 847-866-9687. If you want to call us tonight and get your voice heard on what we're talking about, these are the allegations from baritone Samuel Schultz against David Daniels and his partner, Scott Walters. But, but go on, Toby. Okay, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to interject there and, and say to Matt's point, yeah. Uh, loyalty is important here, and it can cloud responses. Um, I'm reading again from Matt Cummings' takeaway from this. The main takeaway from the Susan Grant comments here is that she feels compelled to speak as an expert in the situation because she was marginally more central at, to the issue at hand, i.e. she was in that Xerxes, but she doesn't seem to grasp uh, or to have any more authority to speak of the events that night. I don't want it to turn into an ad hominem attack, though, because this is irresponsible on our part here at Opera Box Score, and it doesn't necessarily elevate the level of debate, and it isn't in brand for us, more or less, to do that. I do, however, think it may be newsworthy because she felt the need to respond to every single comment and lend her considerable credibility and public goodwill to a literal alleged rapist rather than the victim or any sense of justice. Thoughts? Anyone? I mean, that's... Alleged rapist is just what is we're, we're alleged in the article. Like, yes. no charges have been pressed against. No charge, yeah. correct. Other than the police report fired, yeah. filed to yeah. the University of Michigan police. No. Not even the Ann Arbor Police Department. I don't know if that makes any difference. Uh, slightly different, I would have said, yeah. Campus police versus, Camp, like, yeah. the city. Yeah, different things. I would agree. Uh, why she felt any need, continuing with Matt, why she felt any need to speak up at all is beyond me. This is hardly the first case like this, and I don't know why she expected her input to be well received. The general reaction of the public and the industry to let's, such let's, I'll start right there. Sure, I doubt that she she expected her input to be received. I actually but, agree with that. She yeah. she knew. Yeah, she, but she was like, I believe so strongly that this is wrong that I'm willing to put my neck out here and say this is wrong. Yeah, but to police every single comment. It wasn't every single comment. That it, it was just it. several. It was, but it was re- it was repeated. Was it, that yeah. just like in the period of time yeah. that she happened to be? Yeah, they, yeah. she seemed to be Facebook. sitting there while it was going okay. live. You know? Yeah, this, she, this was like I would say the first um, what seven or eight okay, you know, okay, comments okay. were all. So let's not blow yeah. that part out mm-hmm. of proportion. Right. Yeah. I'll continue. The general reaction of the public and the industry to such allegations is. A huge aspect of the story, in as much as the efforts to create a shift in public reception is a big reason why we've been able to have a Me Too movement in the first place. Plus, it continues to be one of the biggest obstacles to overcome in terms of making substantive change in the way these sexual crimes, to be honest, are handled as well as perceived. What I guess I'm saying is I don't want to leave it out just because it's hard to talk about. So the so what he's talking about, leave it out, is the, re, the reaction on social media, both by Susan Graham and... 
uh, other members of the opera community. It's important for us to talk about that. It is. And um, and I'll just say that, like, people are now vilifying Susan Graham. Like, if you look at social media, people are just disavowing her altogether. And that is what I think she should have expected, you know, by saying something, you know. But in her mind, like, you've... In, in her mind, time. she's being punished for standing up for her friend. I bet in her mind she doesn't even care because yeah. she's so confident in who she believes her friend to be. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to And kind that's of... the character thing. And it is hard to believe that people that you believe in and people whose art you believe in and people whose friendship you believe in, it's hard to believe that you could know someone who's capable of something that's a monstrosity. That is, to, to know someone who's capable of rape of robbing someone of their i won't say innocence but of their innocence of their peace of mind to take something away from someone who was unwilling to give it to you that's hard to come to terms with even in just in this case uh it happening allegedly you know and i think i think she as i said before i think she was operating on a very gut instinct level not thinking it through very much responding as a friend as a friend of someone who she thinks is falsely accused however i do think the disavowal and the really really nasty comment wars that have been going on underneath that article uh is very much indicative of a real um is is sort of what's setting this allegation apart i think from even from some of the previous ones this one feels very different uh than a lot of what we've heard since the me too movement really got underway at least to me um because the reaction is so violent um and it leads it to be politicized i think in a very distinctive way if if you read all the articles about mm-hmm. the uh, about the uh, about the incident um, you'll see pretty much in every article it will add in a mention that, oh, and by the way, the couple that is accused of the rape were married by Ruth Bader Ginsburg personally in 2014, and that immediately draws a political line uh, in the sand where where you don't even necessarily, where your political sort of inclinations put you in the camp of of thinking, oh, this was all a lie, or oh, this is absolutely true, and it and it and it really has sort of become entrenched in a way that we haven't seen. I mean, we've seen it plenty of times in the Me Too movement before, but I don't think we've seen it to this extent within the classical music community yet. Uh, until at least from what I've seen, uh, there was a little bit I think with uh, James Levine, but I think that even the naysayers on that one, by the time everyone came out of the woodwork with all the allegations, there was no way to really. So you know, you're Weston. You're saying the the RBG connection just helps to divide the camps exactly. even more on this. Uh, I mean, uh, because if you're if if you're a hater on her, then you're going to naturally. No, it's, it has to do with categorically. Uh, casting aspersions on the gay community and what Ruth Bader Ginsburg stands for and the left and right. civil liberties and like, you know, see gay people are disgusting, you know? Hmm. Well, not even just that. I mean, it's it, it, very much the Me Too movement has has really become polarized along these political lines. Um, I mean, most of the allegations in the Me Too movement um, come from women uh, about men, um, which, you know, is certainly uh, more of a, I wouldn't say more of a problem, but more of a prevalent uh, recurring issue. Um, and, And because of that, there is a reaction to it on the right that has coalesced into a reaction from the right, where if you are if you are on the right, you automatically disbelieve any Me Too allegation. And similarly on the left, to kind of meet that, you have to believe the person in every situation who is doing the accusing. Um, and and what I, we're seeing here is someone on the probably on the left, Susan mm-hmm. Graham, yeah, uh, not. Not believing the victim, which is why so many people seeing her 
seeing her refuse it, even in this very personal way. I don't think the Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing is a thing. Like, is that a thing at all? Like, do we? I don't think that's a part of this story. I don't think it's central. I don't think it's. It seems to be a coincidence. I would say more than anything. But I think it is an exploitable thing. And there's a there's an article um, from. Dangerous.com, which has <laughs> Breitbart Associations and Mili Yiannopoulos. I want, I want all of her to read it. Um, we can't read this article. <laughs> he, if you, if you yeah. look at the article, and I don't recommend it because it's kind of a, a garbage website, um, but literally his, his subheader that this man wrote, uh, his name is Chadwick Moore. He's, he famously did a uh, well like, somewhat like not give clicks to this guy uh, yes he uh, yeah. <laughs> he was uh, he's he is a, a, a gay man um, who wrote uh, a this is back before the election happened he wrote an article about Mili Yiannopoulos and a lot of his friends obviously disavowed him for it uh, and he kind of took a hard right are you talking turn. about this article that he wrote uh, this is about him, just to okay. give him a kind yeah. of background. So, but but it, the article that he wrote, his very first um, subheading is, quote, an amazing opportunity to humiliate Ruth Bader Ginsburg came up, and uh, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. And, and he immediately brings up the Ruth Bader Ginsburg co- connection. What's the title of the article? <laughs> Here we go. The title of the article is, I don't believe rape claims anymore. That's the true legacy of hashtag me too. Oh, RBG, she was in an opera. It's, she uh, was Washington. Yeah. She is famously opera. an opera person. I think that's why she was, yeah. you know, and married that's, them that's in the first why, place. That's yeah. why she, that's uh, why she, she did, did the that. speaking role in uh, uh, Daughter of the Regiment. Right. And I'm sure other things too. Exactly. Yeah. But this article, <laughs> just to point it out, is not the only one, um, but it's probably the most prevalent one on Google at the moment, which is using this accusation to take the issue and cast doubt on the Me Too movement as a whole. Um, and if you read the comments on the previously mentioned Majette article, you right. can see that spirit very much being embodied by. We're, the and and I, I do think that these things, there's going to be like this pendulum swing. And I, I know that we need to like clean house and we need to find, I mean, we need to shed light on all these things, but there are going to be people who get just as power hungry when right. they realize that they can cause damage and get revenge, and that's, that's for, where you know. it's difficult. Because it, yeah. it, it, if 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 he is lying for some reason, let's say, let's say that let's not talk about him that he's lying. Right. Let's okay. just say there are probably situations out there. There will absolutely be allegations yeah. that are not false, true. and there where, have there have been allegations where the facts don't line up that's with the correct. allegation. That, you know, where maybe some of the facts are true, and because you have some of those facts that are true, people will. To go with you all the way, you know. Yeah, there have been there have been a few situations where there have been allegations that were clearly disproved, right? Right. What we what the big gray space is the allegations that are false, but that lead to an actual dismissal, right? right. And that's where it's hard to figure out, what, you know, because it moves really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of well, the public out like I had said earlier, the exactly. public outcry is so loud with these types of things that the reaction has. And to this be... is how it ties back into an institution. If you right. are a big opera exactly. house with a board of directors breathing down your neck, if you're like a major uh, management company, artistic management company, you are going to get rid of these people faster. The only people that you're not going to get rid of would be Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Oh my State. gosh! Well, and you want to talk Don't about that? On that's that, not totally a Me Too movement, but that's. Yeah, essentially supporting yeah. domestic violence. Exactly, exactly. And he was suspended three games. That's right. Let's just say, wrap uh, it up. Wrap it up for us, Oliver. Final. I point. want everybody to wrap it you, up. If you have a couple of minutes, the accusations in the story. If you have a couple of minutes, go to nicholaspond.com n i c h o l a s hyphen p h a n dot com. Nicholas Pond, acclaimed American tenor, friend of David Daniels, probably. Uh, wrote a really thoughtful essay about, you know, we as the artists, we as the opera community, we need to have like we have, we need to let cooler heads prevail because we are, you know, this is so energizing, so galvanizing for so many of us that we might be hurting ourselves, you know, right. in slinging this mud. You're gonna get dirty, you know, if you yeah. get. I mean, like I'm. We're all nervous to be talking about this oh, and God, to take yeah. to take sides <laughs> because. 
nobody wants to be a uh, you know the reason for David Daniel's career to end, or maybe him to, or even or even uh, a, or if, yeah, or, 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 or for him to hurt himself, I, I, you know, yeah. I, like I, look would, at Anne Sophie von Otter's husband commit suicide, you know. It, yeah. it would be it would be just awful for me if I if I if I came down on either side of this, and then there was evidence to the contrary that that I would it would it would be awful because I I we have this mouthpiece here. People are listening to us remarkably. Yeah. Uh, hi everyone. Uh, <laughs> it's basically and, your mom. And, and, and we do. <laughs> hi mom. Uh, and 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 it's it's so hard because we we all really want to have justice be done. We exactly. want this problem to end. This problem of sexual harassment to end. But at the same time, we we need to admit that maybe not all the facts are always exactly what they are. But it's it's. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, what I think we're going toward is for these accusations in right. the future to be taken seriously, and for there to be, um, for for be it an opera company or a university, for there to be an actual procedure uh, to hear these things, to investigate them, and to understand how i i don't like the word justice because i don't think justice is served when there are victims in situations like these mm. it's everyone loses um and a punishment doesn't take away what happened right um but the idea is that there can be processes that are implemented to ensure that these instances are fewer and fewer and right. that's what the me too movement is about yeah and ultimately, I think that's what we hope for in our business, where we know that it's uh, an epidemic, um, both for, for from the artist's standpoint and and from the people above the artist. And when you get right down to it, just just don't be a bad person. Don't yeah, easier easier. Don't do these done, things. Pretty easy We're to not be a dirtbag. Keep bag. a close eye on this one. I know there's a lot more. There's a lot more to say tonight. We're out of time. There's a lot more to say in the coming weeks about this. We're going to keep an eye on that. You can let us know what you're thinking, 847-866-9687. Tweet us at Opera Box Score, and we're going to get links to Samuel Schultz's website as well as Nick Pond on our website, operaboxscore.com. Hey, how many roles do you think Placido Domingo has sung in his career? The answer is next on America's Talk radio show about opera. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, here's a tip. If you've recently started listening to our show, you already know there's nothing else like it. Week in, week out, you get our panel's hot takes on opera news in the two-minute drill. Plus, our patented segments like Fantasy Fockball, Monday Evening Quarterback, and Crunching the Numbers. But you might not know about some of the incredible interview guests who have gone inside the huddle with our team, like tenor Matthew Polanzani, composer Gregory Spears, intendant Kirsten Harms, and countertenor Jakub Josef Orlinski, to name just a few. Check out the Opera Box Score archives on SoundCloud. Just go to soundcloud.com and search for Opera Box Score. And you can tell us about your favorite interviews on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for everything you need to know from the past week in opera land. The great tenor Enrico Caruso sang about 60 roles. The story diva Maria Callas, about 50. Renee Fleming, the most uh, famous soprano today, about 55. Domingo, way past them all on Thursday. He will be singing Bizet's Pearl Fishers at the Salzburg Festival, and he will be singing his 150th part. Deutsche Bahn has announced a plan to play atonal music at the Hermannstrasse station in Berlin in order to deter drug users from congregating there. Media outlet Deutsche Welle says atonality, quote, completely undermines traditional listening habits. 
American baritone Thomas Hampson will play the Emperor Hadrian and Finnish soprano Karita Matala, the ex-Empress Plotina, in a new opera called Hadrian by Canadian singer-songwriter Rufus Wainwright. That's at the Canadian Opera Company. It's in English and Latin. Exit stage right, soprano Ingeborg, one of the last great Straussian singers, unsurpassed as Electra and Zalame. She was the great dramatic soprano of the mid-20th century. Born in Germany as Ingeborg Simone, forced to leave because her father was Jewish, she rose to stardom in Switzerland, stormed the world from 18, excuse me, 1950 onward. On this day, the birth of American tenor Norman Kelly in 1917, as well as Irish mezzo-soprano Anne Murray in 1949, and the premieres of Jean-Philippe Rameau's Pygmalion in 1748, and Gabriel Fauré's Prometheus in 1900. That is your two-minute drill. I just want to say thank you so much for taking us out of that hard segment into this lighter section opening with Electra. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, dude. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love me some Electra, though. Oh, it's good stuff. Inga Bork. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is in itself sad news that she's uh, gone, but man, yes. what, what a voice. And that is just a brutal, brutal role all around. Um, oh, I love it. So good. There are There are other... Singers certainly that Strauss is really their wheelhouse. Um, Nina Stemma comes to mind, mm. uh, but those recordings that was um, uh, uh, the uh, Staatskapelle Dresden conducted by Karl Dresden. Um, Dresden and it's Boom. hilarious how you say Dresden and Staatskapelle, but then you say Gabriel Fauré. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I my know. pronunciation. Well, friend. well, Oliver, you're, uh, you're. I don't want to reveal too much, but I know you're getting trained in the way of, of how to pronounce all of these foreign, yeah, I non-English. I, have, I signed a non-disclosure agreement, but of course, um, <laughs> of course, I just, I just know that you're getting trained on no, this. No, but it's interesting. I'm that, kind like, of fascinated I'm, by it. I'm, I'm not going to be you. a I'm, part-time I'm, announcer on a yeah. certain radio station, yeah. Ooh. and. Um, yeah, W N U R. They, I'm of all the people that are on this show, I'm like the least qualified to do this. I think, <laughs> I think Matt Cummings should have gotten the job, but yeah. um, no. But they, they don't want us to sound too hoity-toity, you know, too it, condescending. It, so. Why didn't they hire I, me then? Because well, I can't pronounce anything. Yeah. Well, no, no, you got to say it correctly, but you just don't need to say it like. Nobody says, you know, I'm going to go to Paris. We just say we're going to go to Paris. Yeah. That's so, sorry. Mm. Carl, Carl Boehm and the one um, of my, one of my least favorite American things is bruschetta. Yeah. Can I get some bruschetta? Yeah. <laughs> but if you say bruschetta, <laughs> Toby, that, no, people are like, that's, 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 a, that's mean, dude. What do you mean? They're, no, they're, they're just, they don't know any better. <laughs> Okay. You know. Still drives me nuts because then if you say it correctly, people are like, oh my God. Just just let people, let people eat. Well, okay, so if I'd ask you, before I revealed how many roles Domingo has sung, mm-hmm. what would you have guessed? Uh, well, Toby. I, I Domingo is. Just give me a number. 
I would have guessed 100. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually. Oliver? Yeah, I would have been around there. That's, okay. Yeah. I would have guessed a million and a half. He's been okay. in well, everything. You, every, yeah. you would everything. have been way wrong. I don't know if I could name 150 roles for his well, we voice type. Well, I mean, he well, for his voice, voice type. Well, but that's the thing, and that's why he's gotten to yeah, okay. 250 is... He's, he's transitioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's now he's now an alto. <laughs> he's now singing mezzo soprano. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, no, he's really interesting though. You know, he's obviously transitioned voice types and to see yeah. what Caruso uh, sixty roles. I mean, I love Caruso. Everybody knows this, right? How I many have, roles have you done? I just I'm not trying to. Twenty two uh, in the last four years. Okay, so yeah, there you go. go. Like you're a third of the way to Caruso's. Hey, man. It's all about who doesn't quit. It's good, and you're right. True. It's all it's about, all about the long game, dog. It's the long you know? game. If I, I yeah. just don't yeah. quit, because everybody else will. Just, um, just yeah, twenty-two. But um, my a former voice teacher of mine is the great American mezzo soprano Joyce Castle. Yes. And Oliver and I were just looking it up, and she's done over one hundred and forty. Okay. Wow. Mm. In in a single voice type. In a single mezzo. Good for her. Yeah. At the Met, New York City, all over mm-hmm. San Francisco, L.A. Play the long game, man. Play the long game. I mean, you can't have a career where you do over a hundred roles that doesn't span decades. Right. Um, and I, so I mean, why am I, why am I not surprised that they're doing this atonal music, uh, experiment at, <laughs> I at, love at the Hermannstrasse station? I mean, if you guys have spent any time at the Hermannstrasse station, like I have drink, drink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, you're it's in, it's in Neukölln, which is a, a grittier part of Berlin. The hipsters used to live there and then the hipsters moved to Prenzlauerberg. Uh, so it's, uh, I wonder what they're going to pick. Like, how atonal are we talking? Yeah, I feel like, like that's the real question because, I mean, I would, you know. You like, could play Wozzeck and like, I would yeah. love it. I would be there every <laughs> I, day. I, I was, would be yeah. a drug right. dealer. It would have been. It would be great. You'd be a dr- I was thinking like Piero Lunaire. Oh, know? yeah. I love Piero Lunaire. That's so good. Like yeah. uh, I mean, I, I do think it's really funny that, they're, that they did it because I was just like, this is all. I would want to go to this station all the time. Um, I feel like they're not going to play atonal opera, though, right? Like they're going to play like some weird, wonky, like bird chimes in the Ardennes forest. Like I don't something. know, because I feel like I feel like how great would it be to like as a composer to like get that commission? You know, have somebody like, hey, we want you to compose music that will scare away drug dealers in a train station, and I'm, I would be like, hell yeah, I am there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I love the quote from the article. Uh, they asked some guy about it in the train station, and the <laughs> quote is, "Well, if they think it'll help," and then he shrugged. It's just right. Well, your point was that that people who hate the second Viennese school actually. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been I've been told multiple times. Drugs help them enjoy the music. Exactly, right? <laughs> I've been told that by multiple people when I'm blasting, you know, uh, my Lulu at at eight in the morning for some reason, you know, and. Uh, but I, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's that's your, beautiful. Isn't music. that your tech, your back tech? Blasting just says my second Lulu school. at eight o'clock. In the, what is it? What time of the day? Eight o'clock in the morning. Eight o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, I've done when it. I'm, when I'm blasting my Lulu at eight o'clock in the morning, yeah, on any other podcast or radio show, would mean something entirely. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is a true story. Uh, my roommate was really bad in in college at getting up. In I'm going to text you tomorrow, Oliver, and be like, "Just got done blasting my Lulu." <laughs> so I I would I would literally find the the end of Lulu where she gets stabbed and then the 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 uh, she screams and then you get a dun 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 da 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 and so in order to wake him up every morning I would turn up all the way and play it for him and he would wake up and he would get to class hmm. and wow. he still hasn't thanked me for it for eight some o'clock reason. in the morning man <laughs> Toby hasn't like finished throwing up by then probably right? <laughs> good call bad call on opera box score Jeez, I'm glad we could lighten up a little bit by the yep, end of the just show. Just a bit. <laughs> good grief, I need a drink. Ugh. I got I a, a good call. Who's got a good call? Well, Oliver's got a good call. Yeah, well, somehow um, a video of Kostas uh, Smorginas uh, singing um, Toreador from the um, Ger- Barry Kotsky, is that his name? Ber- the Barry Kotsky. Yeah. The Barry Kotsky production of Carmen at the Royal Opera uh, made it onto the Facebook, and I think it was Barry Hunks who shared it. And uh, now it has like 210 plus thousand views. And I haven't, I didn't see this production. Obviously, I don't go to London as much as you do, uh, George. But, um, you know, the, <laughs> the production got really bad reviews. And so I just didn't think twice about it. But I'm looking at this video, and it looks really fun. At least the Torridor song 
looks very homoerotic, <laughs> queer, a <laughs> lot of like feminine male kind of confusion. It looks a little bit like Beyonce. And I feel in a way that's what like bullfighting is. Like the costumes oh, are so absolutely. tight, yeah. you know. And the and the way that they posture themselves. Yeah, it's so beautiful and artificial that it that actually feels a little bit authentic to me. Like it feels yeah. like it fits, you know. It's a so good, I think it's a good choice for that. Point. Yeah. Right. So go check it out. Go to uh, Bear Hunk's uh, Facebook page, uh, which is Jack Michaels, by the way. Um, and when I, I when I was in Traviata recently yeah. and was one of the bullfighters. Yeah. They like they taught us how to walk, and they. It's like you stick your butt out. It's like no, it's yeah. like they're like your pelvis is forward. You are leading with your penis ever. Yeah. Can I yeah, say that? Dude. Like, <laughs> and and it was very fluid movements. It's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's nice. It's not. It's not. Yeah, I kind of like it. All right, last last <laughs> no, chance for a good call or a bad call. I got a good call. Go Wednesday, it. it's not going to be hot anymore. Oh. Here's a, a good a good call with a question mark. Are we re- recording next Monday? We're we are not. not. Oh, okay, that's so, a bad call. So good call yeah. for next week. Uh, Lyric Opera at Millennium Park. It's a yeah. free concert. It's oh, always yeah. really fun. Bring I'm a picnic. Uh, hang out. I have a good call. Uh, college football starts on Saturday. Excellent. Roll point. Tide. Hey, that's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. The general manager at WNUR is Nick Anderson. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. You can visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com. V-O-X-E-R-S-H. ORTS.com. Our theme song, Vodka Inferno, is written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts at Twitter. We're at Opera Box Score. And leave a review, please, when you subscribe to our Apple Podcasts available show. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright and Weston Williams, I'm George Cedarquist asking you to continue the conversation about opera as summer draws to a close. As Oliver said, we're off on Labor Day next week, but we're back on Monday, September 10th, 9 p.m. Central. We're going to go inside the huddle with tenor and visual artist Luther Lewis. Plus, we got more opera news, more hot takes. Please join us. This is WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's sound experiment.